The Transforming Government Experiences podcast is brought to you by ServiceNow in collaboration with GovExec's Studio 2G. ServiceNow Industry Solutions transform government with a consumer-style experience that's intuitive and secure for your workforce and the people they serve. Check out how ServiceNow can help your agency fuel mission-oriented innovation and accelerate outcomes at servicenow.com. Like any organization, government only works well when all people and parts are aligned. The larger the organization, the more difficult this is to achieve, which is one of the many reasons why government has struggled with information silos for years. On the other hand, improving visibility and creating a common operating picture can help agencies reduce friction, improve accountability, and meet the requirements laid out in the Biden-Harris administration's management agenda vision. On today's episode of Transforming Government Experience, we'll discuss what it takes to improve the business of government and the tools that can help to streamline project management and success. I'm your host, James Hansen, Group Publisher for Federal and Technology Markets at GovExec. And joining me today are two executives from ServiceNow, Tom Yates, Global Head of State, Local and Regional Government Solutions, and John Spurko, Enterprise Architect. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I appreciate the invite, James. Thanks. Tom, can you start off by giving our audience and listeners some insight into how government is currently operating and what some of the challenges are today? I think we can all agree that government has done a very good job of post-pandemic response overall. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have room for improvement, but I think the releasing of some of the restrictions around procurement, for example, really helped government to pivot and be more agile in responding to the pandemic. But siloed processes still exist. And that consumer-grade experience that we all talk about wanting is very spotty. You might have it in some places and not in the other. And managing the flow of funds from CARES Act, American Rescue Plan, the Infrastructure Act, that's a challenge. There's a lot of funding that's being left unspent because the agencies don't have the bandwidth to even apply for those funds, much less track, score, and account for the funds that they might obtain. But the good news is that digital government is still a top focus. We see that across the board with the agencies that we're looking at and working with. People see the real value in streamlining those processes and certainly in upgrading the constituent experience and the experience for employees as well, because there's a talent war out there and agencies need to compete. It's not something they can just put on a shelf. In fact, I think I've seen estimates of around 40% of government employees are eligible to retire. So that's just a shocking amount of human capital that could walk out of the building at any time. But the good news is that most states are starting with surpluses this year. And in many cases, they can use some of these federal funds to modernize and digitize that service delivery. But again, it's still a struggle for those agencies to get visibility into those process bottlenecks and to make data-driven decisions to ensure rapid response during audits and other compliance events. That's pretty much what I'm seeing. John, what are you seeing? They're very similar to what you mentioned. A lot of times we go in and we start workshops, these executive workshops, and what the executives are seeing is with the pandemic response, we did such a great job. And it was really enlightening to see how they could respond when they had to. And a lot of them don't want to go back to the old ways. So they want to get a little bit of more organization around the way that they were doing business during the pandemic response, but they don't want to lose that velocity that they had when they started bringing these different teams together. They started bringing people from the outside, 
other agencies would get involved in big collaborative efforts that they really want to keep that headwind going that they have from that pandemic response. Yeah, we often heard from our government audience this term of modernization in months when the pandemic first occurred, and many do not want to go back to that old way of doing things. Looking at the president's management agenda, and Tom, you mentioned a number of the federal stimuli that's being flowed, one of the key tenets of that is to improve the overall federal acquisition system for government to be able to buy together and manage financial assistance together. As you look at agencies and departments across both federal, state, and local government, how can greater visibility into departments and projects remedy some of these issues? That's a really thorny issue, and it's something that has plagued government agencies ever since I can remember. I worked in federal government way back in the 1990s, and it was a problem then. It's still a problem. A lot of it is endemic to the way that projects and monies are spent. So you have your budget in your department, and I think that creates a lot of the friction and reduces the visibility. But if you think outside the box a little bit and you think about if we had a platform that would allow all of these organizations to communicate and track finances, as well as IT projects or other projects or really any workflow, the whole problem is that the work is not flowing across departments and agencies. But what if you had a system that tracked from the very beginning of the grant process, say you want to apply for a grant. So putting the grant proposal together, and then if you're an agency that's receiving those grant applications, having a system where you can collect, store, and score and approve that grant funding, and then manage the project within that same work stream on the same platform, that would give you tremendous visibility. So you're not only tracking projects, but you're also tracking assets as well. You know, the infrastructure bill is going to have so many benefits in local jurisdictions, but a lot of it is going to be putting in a lot of assets that need to be proactively maintained, or they might be sensors or other devices that need to be able to alert people if something's going on. So just thinking about something like that, that end-to-end visibility, both the financial piece as well as the workflow piece into the proactive maintenance and field services components, so that you can go all the way from application award to project kickoff to close out to compliance and audit reporting, that would be some powerful visibility. So that's really what we're talking about with this platform. The pieces that I see a lot, it, it is big in the visibility. And one of the pieces that there's really starting to get a lot more is it's the people is the big component of all these projects being successful and knowing where those people are and being able to manage the work around them is a big component of it. And not only where they are and what they're doing, but the coordination of the work because it crosses so many boundaries. So being able to see something from end to end or cradle to grave is really important, especially during that solicitation phase. There's a lot of opportunities for things to get stalled even while you're doing the solicitation building. So cleaning up areas like that and making sure that the people in the project management area know what the people in the solicitation area are doing and when things are crossing those boundaries becomes really important. And I think during the pandemic time, that's a lot of the things that got shortcutted because people from the 
executive teams came in, people in the cities from the mayor's office or in the states from the legislator got involved in these projects and just pushed those boundaries and made sure there was coordination across them. So that's a big area that comes in with the exposure that you were talking about earlier. Yeah, the use case that you both just outlined sounds truly game-changing. So, John, can you talk a little bit more about how ServiceNow's Now platform creates that common operating picture? Sure. On the platform, the big thing ServiceNow does, it's the service in ServiceNow. So at the end, there's some service that you want to provide, whether it's to a citizen or it's to an employee. And whether that's in federal or state and local government, it's pretty much the same. And those services get developed by buying applications on the front end. But it all starts with an idea. A lot of times it's getting that idea off of email, getting it into a system so it's in a format that you can elaborate on it. And then moving through the idea, we go into these different phases where you decide the idea does warrant that next level of analysis. So you bring in a business analyst to do the work on it. And that part where the business analyst does the work, the handoff there, a lot of times it goes into where you need an RFI, it goes into a solicitation official and the bigger projects, that's where they all end up in that solicitation area. So what we don't want to do is we don't want to hand it off and say, okay, it goes to solicitation now, and then we'll take care of it when it comes back. But instead on the platform, if we keep that solicitation process as early phases in the project, so the project starts during the solicitation, it's not a separate thing that we do that's then connected back together. There's seven steps we go through. We go through business analysis, alternative analysis, which is part of the solicitation team. The solicitation team then goes into solution development, and that's where your RFX templates happen, RFI or RFPs. Or, and then after that, it's ready. So now they pick the vendor, they have all the requirements, and now it goes back into project oversight. Sometimes that's done by the municipality. Sometimes it's done by the vendor that was selected where they'll provide that oversight. And then the last piece that's really important that everybody wants to see, especially after the pandemic response, is that piece that Tom mentioned earlier. How do you realize the value of what you did? And a lot of that, now people are having to come back after the pandemic response and do all that as an afterthought. We got all this money, we did these projects. Now we need to know, are we realizing the value that we initially set out to realize? By putting that in the project and saying this project doesn't close until you provide that report is a really important piece because it's not an afterthought anymore. It's part of completing the project. So instead of just having the project be the work part where you're managing the people and the processes around doing the actual project, you're incorporating that solicitation piece and you're incorporating that piece at the end, which is that post-implementation reporting. And that's how we put it together. That makes a really nice operating model for a project from the beginning to the end. Yeah, and just to piggyback on what you're saying, John, I wanna add that it's also really important to have proper governance and to have an engaged executive steering committee. I want people from outside the IT department coming in and pitching their project ideas. And then as a group, we figure out what the priorities are and we move forward together. So that platform is gonna give you tremendous visibility into what projects are moving forward and which ones aren't. And it's also going to validate your decisions that you make collectively as a group that this is indeed our priority. So if you can just imagine working on these multi-agency projects 
and having everyone on the same page, the value of that is just tremendous because it gets people excited and people don't feel like their project was left on the shelf because they see that we collectively voted as a team to move these items forward first. And they can go back and explain to their constituents, to their employees, to their team members, exactly what those priorities are and get clear visibility in that on an ongoing basis. Good point. You just stirred something in my mind. The prioritization used to switch a lot because you had that analysis phase in the beginning where some business analysts are working on it. It would have to reach a priority there. Then it would go to the solicitation team. Now, do we have the attorneys and the solicitation people available? So it would have to reach a priority there as well. And then when it came back from the solicitation team to the project team, now it has to get reprioritized because it's switching hands yet again. Managing it all as one body of work really gives it that single prioritization where you're going to push it all the way through. And I think that was one of the big important pieces. When I was a government CIO, I used to not want to be the person who had the charge of having all of these projects that all were important and all had to be done right now, because that just basically means it falls to the IT department to decide which ones are really priorities. Because if everything is a priority, nothing is a priority. And everybody would just hand off their projects and say, here, we need this done yesterday. Can you do it? And everybody wants to say yes. And it just ends up being a mess. This way, by having that governance in place, it prevents the IT department from being the bad guy. I think what you both are outlining here is in perfect alignment with kind of the third pillar of the PMA around the business of government. And one of the things that it talks about is this building a system-wide capacity. And what that includes is spotting issues, resolution of conflicts across discrete lines of business, training and guidance within agencies around these processes, evidence building strategies that advance multiple existing activities, and just overall other capacity building strategies that really make a lasting impact. And I think you guys articulated it very well. One question I'm curious about is there is this huge focus nationally, as well as within government around supply chain management. This seems like what you guys have outlined, does that also extend to how agencies can manage and evaluate across a very large supply chain ecosystem? John, I know you've already mentioned a few times how you can include your vendor community in with this platform approach. So it's not that you're doing everything in a silo. You can give your approved partners access to manage their piece of the projects through the same system to get that level of visibility. And in terms of supply chain, a lot of times that ends up being a big question mark. And I don't think technology is necessarily going to be able to solve it, but at least technology can help surface it so that when something comes up and that project manager flags something, everyone in the system can see it immediately. I think that visibility, again, is something that's going to be really valuable, especially as we're walking this tricky tightrope with supply chains. We're working on some supply chain things now that gets more into the asset management process where there's a lot of delays on things that would come in. So the managing the backlogs and setting expectations for when things are going to come in and being able to make adjustments to projects to accommodate for those delays. 
has been an important piece for a, a couple of the big states. On the whole supply chain front too, and I want to talk a little bit, this is more about the supply chain of people, is one of the big things that I see it's really important because it used to be where central IT was doing a project or an agency was doing a project because the way with technology budgets in states, half of the technology budget goes to central IT and the other half is spread across all the other agencies. So being able to create these collaborative teams, not only with vendors and partners, but also with your other agencies, we're seeing that become a big important piece too. So that when you talk about the supply chain of the bodies to do the work, right, that becomes a big part of it. So now if everybody works the same on the platform, it becomes a lot easier because they're doing an agile project in this agency, the same way as central IT is doing an agile project. So now they can come in and they can work on these projects and they all look the same. The work is all managed the same. That's a big part of the benefit that the platform brings in across these agencies is bringing all those people together, but also the supply chain of all the things that are coming in to get the job done. Yeah, I think that's an excellent, excellent point. We've covered a lot of ground on this series from cybersecurity to workforce and customer experience. And finally, today, the business of government. As we're kind of wrapping up the series, I'd love to get your ideas on what a truly transformed government looks like and what it will take to get there. I think the concept of anticipatory government is really interesting. So in order to anticipate what someone might need, you need to understand them at multiple levels. So if you think about the way our consumer experience is driven by Netflix recommending movies and shows that we might be interested in, or Amazon telling you, here's something else you might want to spend money on because you spend money on that. It's just that experience that we're used to. And in government, it seems like the initiative always falls to the constituent, whether the constituent is one of your fellow agencies or one of your citizens, they have to proactively look for benefits. They have to proactively apply for services themselves. But what if you could turn that paradigm and say, with anticipatory government, we have information because we have this cross-agency collaboration and we have a really good idea of you, your household, your needs. I think about like social services and how they need to coordinate especially like, let's say you need emergency rental assistance and you need pandemic aid, you need supplemental nutrition, you also need childcare or foster care as well. Bringing that holistic approach and saying, if you are applying for this, you might also be interested in that is a really powerful way to engage with your constituents. And it's not just the citizens, that's really from the outside in. But if you think about from the inside out, let's talk about the procurement process. You've got a very particular way that certain procurements go through your system. Let's go ahead and get in front of that and put everything on this platform and leave nothing to chance, leave no stone unturned or a gap where this thing can fall through the crack. So move that procurement along and you can build into these workflows automatic escalations if a certain time period has elapsed and no one has responded to either approve or deny your request. You build that in and you can have service levels associated with that. This one needs to be done within 48 hours. We need this to move within 72 hours. This one, if it's over this amount, it's automatically going to this second level approver. Just things like that are so powerful. So I think that is a lot of what we can 
paint as the picture of where we would like to go. Yeah, I have some strong feelings here in terms of digital transformation. And when I think of digital transformation in government, you think about flipping business models on their heads. And when we're looking at the government, the primary goal, especially with technology, is to deliver services to employees or deliver services to your constituents, your citizens. And within IT, you have that central IT component. And then they're working, they own the platform, and then they're working with the agencies that are using that platform to deliver services. Now, being able to spread out those responsibilities and say the ownership for that service sits in the agency, the development Part of the development anyway for that new service sits in the agencies. We have this new concept called citizen developer where people that are in the business can do part of the development. And then there's part of it where central IT is augmenting on that platform. Now, all these pieces and being able to spread out those responsibilities for services, whether it's an entitlement service for a citizen like Tom mentioned, or it's an internal service like an employee getting a travel request. Those all have to be treated the same and they have to get really good at delivering those and rebuilding the old ones that they have. So the velocity of creating that service by spreading out the responsibilities and even getting people to develop that have never developed before. I think that's going to be that big transformational piece in government is increasing that ability or the velocity at which you can create services and improve those services the same way. And that's a lot of what we're working on, a lot of what our forward thinking government customers are looking at as well. Well, I can't thank both of you enough for sharing your insights with me and with our audience and listeners, as well as your service to government mission. I want to thank all of our listeners of the Transforming Government Experience podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out all of our other episodes for more insight into how agencies can set up government for tomorrow. Tom, thank you. John, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, James. The Transforming Government Experiences podcast is brought to you by ServiceNow in collaboration with GovExec's Studio 2G. To learn more about how ServiceNow can help your agency transform, visit servicenow.com.